0: It was everything I expected, honestly. I mean, it was just that getting to go and actually feel like I was bringing something to the film. Because even though extras, like, I'm not discrediting that at all. Like, extras are so important. Like, just think about the movies that you watch or the shows that you watch, and your lead actor goes into a restaurant and no one's there. Like, you notice it. But when they're there, you don't notice it because it's normal, you know? So even though being an extra was so important to a film, and I knew that I was bringing something to it, at that age, I was just, I just wanted more, you know, I mean, I don't know if it was just the ambition, or if it was just like, I I need to feel like I'm progressing, which now that I'm actually reflecting on it, I'm like, I think that's just my nature, it's like, if I don't feel like I'm progressing, and it's Mm -hmm. been that way since I was little, (laughs) Um, but it's like, I always have to be moving forward,
1: All right, welcome to The Path Distilled. I'm your host, Kevin Harris. My co-host is Lauren Tashman. Hi, everybody. And our guest today is Desiree Page. She's an artist manager and she's founder of 318 Management. Welcome to the show, Desiree. Hi,
0: hi, good morning. Good
1: morning. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit bit about yourself?
0: Yeah, so um, I currently live in Nashville and I'm managing a country artist named Gary Jacobs.
1: Can you tell us um, how um, a little bit how you got into management uh, going back or where your story begins, I guess is where we should. uh,
0: Yeah, yeah, so there's, oh my goodness. There's so, um, there was, it was such a road to management, honestly. Um, I started in acting as a very little kid. Um, I was about four or five when I really kind of showed the interest in it. Um, I was really interested in music too, but um, I was actually tone deaf. And so my parents were so sweet, they would still dress me up and let me, you know, murder people's ears for a while. <laughs> um, but but then I, basically, I met Sandra Bullock, um, which I think so I sent you guys that photo. Yeah, I'm going to bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah. So I met her and um, it was so random. I was such a weird kid and um, I was in an antique store when I met her. And I just loved going antiquing. Um, And my dad was actually gone. Um, He was going to get coffee. I'm from a very small town in Louisiana. And um, going to get coffee right down the street. And I walked into this lady while I was antiquing. And I just started talking to her for whatever reason. And she was just like, you're so articulate. Like, how are you? How old are you? Like, how are you functioning like this? And why are you antiquing where's your parents you know like she was so kind and um basically I told her like he was coming right back and I was like oh gosh my dad's about to get in trouble like uh. <laughs> and, um but it turns out like he was she just actually talked to him and was just like she is so wise beyond her years and all these compliments and she she was like has she ever thought about acting and obviously I haven't um and so basically what happened was um she kind of exchanged contact information with my dad about um, like local casting companies and casting directors. And shortly after I kind of got into um, the whole acting world. Um, and from there, I mean, oh my gosh, I feel like this story could be so long, so forgive me. <laughs> I'm like trying to like um, shorten it for you guys. Um, but basically I got into acting and I was in and out of school. I didn't really, you know, go to school. Like acting was my main my main thing, my main priority. And again, I come from a small town. So we just had to go and like talk to the school board. And I had a teacher on set. And I really just kind of dove into that and into that world. And um, I think I was in junior high. I met um, another actor artist um named neo and he's like a very big r b pop singer songwriter and um at that time i think i was oh my goodness i think i was in sixth grade sixth or seventh grade um maybe a little bit older but um i was basically like i mean when you're in sixth and seventh grade you're having feelings you're you know emotional and um at that time i kind of like tried to songwrite try to be a songwriter and um they were talking about it and they these are all grown-ups like all around me you know i'm the only kid around and they were talking about writing for beyonce or something and i was like yeah well i write songs too or something i said something something like that and um he's like oh really like can i see what you write can i hear it i was like oh i don't sing like i only write (laughs) and um basically he looked at my lyrics and he was just kind of like this is really you know mature for your age like this is really good like you should get into songwriting and um he just kind of told me a little bit about it like spent some time with me I mean I was on this set for I don't know months months on end so we were all like a family and um I basically that eventually led me to Nashville um and then when I was in Nashville which is I'm in high school at this point um I just kind of honestly I was kind of a, a creep I just kind of creeped on everyone, like, okay, who is who, what is a songwriter, what does a songwriter do, what is a publishing company, like, I had no idea that this whole world existed, and so I just kind of, like, looked into people that knew, that were in it, that knew what was going on, that was involved in the community, and at that time, like, MySpace was still a thing, like, Facebook was just becoming a thing, and so um, I just kind of, like, friended everybody, (laughs) and as weird as that sounds, I just friended everybody, I kept up with them, I kept in contact with them, and then some I eventually went on to become friends with, and then they became, like, bigger artists or touring artists, and uh, in high school, I can't just pick up and move to Nashville, so I, um, when local artists would come in, I would just basically um, ask, like, hey, can I sell your merch, can I help out, can I do something, and then just kind of, like, shadow their tour manager um and just learn everything that i could when they would come through and then finally um a senior year there's an opportunity for me to move so um yeah that's like a very short like version because sure. uh, there's so many like moving parts to um sure. this story
1: but no, it's fascinating um can you take us yeah. back to between the time you met uh, sandra bullock and when yeah. you started working with the casting agents how did that transition happen was it yeah, um,
0: yeah. so it's so interesting. Um, I When I started working, um, when I met her, it was actually a year to the date of, because I, I believe, oh man, my dad is going to kill me because I forgot the exact date. It's either February 12th or February 13th. I don't remember, but I, I met her either on February 12th or February thir- um, 13th, and a year to the date, I got my first speaking partner like, speaking role, speaking, like, in a movie, like, I'm no longer an extra. I was saying words on camera in an exact year, so basically what happened was there was, like, local local casting directors in my area, in my hometown. They were filming um, a bunch of movies, and it it was right before Katrina, um, because I'm from North Louisiana, and it was right before then, so Louisiana was basically, like, known as, like, Hollywood South, and so there was all kinds of different films and things going on, and the casting director that she introduced us to was the one working on the film that she was currently filming in town, and so if you're wondering why was Sandra Bullock in Louisiana at a random um, antique store, it was because she was in the middle of filming, and I guess she just wanted to go shop, um, but but yeah, so I basically um, got connected with that casting director, and I just started working like as an extra anything that i could do i was like do y'all need me to like serve food but obviously there are child labor laws and they can't do that (laughs) and so (laughs) i'm hungry to get on set and to learn
2: about it um so yeah (laughs) what what was it about that that it sounds like you know truly excited you and like drew you in yeah yeah so i mean i think it was just because it was something
0: different um because I mean, coming from a small town, you know, like everyone, and there's nothing wrong with your nine to five jobs, you know, like I, I thought I wanted to do that at one point, but it was just something different. And my family, um, they're actually, they were a very low income family, like didn't have the means to really do it. Like I couldn't, I didn't get headshots until I don't know when, like it, it was so far in my career just because it was expensive. And so I think I saw it as like an opportunity it was more of, like, oh wow, like, I watch these people on TV, like, it wasn't about the money, but it was more about, like, oh, this is cool, like, you mean I can, like, read something and be someone else and not, like, you know, be me for a minute, and then I was like, that's kind of cool, but then, like, I'm always still me, and then I get paid for it, and then they have free food, yes, (laughs) like, like, that was my thought process as a kid, I was like, oh, there's a thing called crafty, what?
1: And so, yeah. so do you remember a sense of excitement when you arrived on your first set and started working?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, no. Um, I don't know if it was excitement or nerves or both, because I was very nervous because I didn't have a lot of friends in school. So I was kind of like, like, and again, I was doing an extra role that time. And I remember, I don't even remember what movie it was. I know that sounds so <laughs> bad. Like I remember my first speaking part, but because um, I was so young, but I do remember like getting on set and thinking oh there are gonna be other kids like are they gonna like me am I gonna fit in like it was almost just like going to a new school which thankfully I grew up in the same house I always went to the same school you know just moving but like I was just kind of like am I going to fit in like that was my like I guess anxiety as a kid just because when you go on set and you're like okay like this is so fun you're so excited about it because it's something new, but then you realize, oh, there are other kids and you have experiences of not making like a lot of friends or having a lot of friends. You're just kind of like, okay, now there's the nerves. Like, am I gonna have a friend? Am I gonna fit in? Am I gonna be accepted into this? You know, Um, but yeah, so that's kind of how how I felt about it.
1: (laughs) And then, so take us from there. um, What happens between then and your first speaking role?
0: Yeah. um, Yeah, so, I don't know how many extra roles I worked that year. I think every movie that came through, I was on it in some form, Um, and it was just kind of a, you know, when you're on set, you're like, okay, like, you get called, you, and you're an extra, you think that is, that is it, like, you've made it, and then you get there, and you're like, oh, I'm just walking (laughs) back and forth, or I'm just sitting in one spot, and I was like, this isn't fun, and in my mind, like this sounds so bad to say, and I'll probably regret admitting this, but in my mind, I was like, man, like, I've, I've, oh, I don't remember who it was, but there was an actress and I was like, I could say that line better than she did, you know? <laughs> and, and, and they kept having to redo it and redo it and redo it. And in my mind, I was like, I just wanna do that, you know? And so I remember telling the casting director that hired me, I was like, hey, this is cool and all, but um, how do I, how do I do more? You know and they kind of walked me through that process and um i i actually didn't have an agent when i got my first speaking role it was my relationship with the casting directors that they basically you know they knew that i was hungry they knew that i wanted to do it they knew that i was a little more than your average kid like when i was on set i wasn't a disturbance i sat in a corner i read i like drew pictures or something, so I wasn't one of those kids that went on set and like wouldn't be quiet when they're like, okay, rolling, you know, like no one say anything or play with other kids and be a disturbance. So they kind of really took a chance on me and just let me audition. And then when I got my first speaking role, which was only like a line or two, but you know, when I first got that, after that, then I got an agent. So, yeah.
1: so what did that? What did it feel like to get that role?
0: Oh, man. Um, It was great. It was very like, again, it was a I made it moment. (laughs) It was never I mean, when I had that part, I didn't really by that time, I was kind of used to the set atmosphere and everyone on a set like all the crew, they all feel like your family, you know, like, the PA becomes like your best friend. And, and it's just like, big or small, Like it doesn't matter if you're an assistant director, or if you're literally the guy who puts the tape on the ground, you know, Um, everyone is kind of treated, in my eyes at that time, was treated equally, and, like, you know, was my family, and so by that time, the crew that is normally on um, sets, I've already known most of them from other sets, so it was just kind of like, oh, yeah, I get to go and see, you know, my friend Greg, or I get to go and see somebody that I know, so, so, yeah, it was really fun.
2: What was your experience of, you know, having that first speaking role? Was it like you expected or was it different?
0: Yeah, no, um, it was everything I expected, honestly. I mean, it was just that getting to go and actually feel like I was bringing something to the film. Because even though extras, like, I'm not discrediting that at all. Like, extras are so important. Like, just think about the movies that you watch or the shows that you watch and your lead actor goes into a restaurant and no one's there like, you notice it, but when they're there, you don't notice it, because it's normal, you know, so even though being an extra was so important to a film, and I knew that I was bringing something to it, at that age, I was just, I just wanted more, you know, I mean, I don't know if it was just the ambition, or if it was just, like, I I need to feel like I'm progressing, which now that I'm actually reflecting on it, I'm like, I think that's just my nature. It's like, if I don't feel like I'm progressing and it's Mm -hmm. been that way since I was little, (laughs) Um, but it's like, I always have to be moving forward. And so when it, going back to like what it was like, it, it was just one of those things where I knew I had to do it and how I felt about it was just like, everything I pictured, everything I wanted i mean it was just it was just another one of those milestones of like okay wow like i'm here like i'm doing this cool you know
1: so what happens next yeah
0: so yeah yeah so um after that like i said when i met neo he kind of led me to um nashville and working on that film i will just say it, it that film it was battle los angeles um that film was probably like that crew that everyone that is, like, my family, like, I still talk to so many people from that set, like, we check on each other, like, during quarantine, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but, no, I love, I love that crew, and so, when I met him, um, that's kind of when things kind of changed a little bit, just because I realized, like, I didn't really like acting as much, you know, I was in, I want to say I was in seventh or eighth grade, because it was right before high school, Um, but we were filming, and we were filming that for, like, eight months, like, it was the longest crew I've worked with, and, and that's probably why we're all, like, family, but, um, but yeah, know we were, um, working on that for so long in North and South Louisiana, and we had a premiere in LA, I want to say my freshman year, and it, t- it took them a long time to make the movie, just because there were so many, like, graphics and animations and all that kind of stuff, So, like, there's aliens in it, so, (laughs) um, so yeah, when we filmed in LA, I went and visited with, like, major agents, like, with major companies, and, like, they were, like, wanting to sit me down, and they're, like, okay, like, you're not 16 yet, like, you know, we need to get you in acting classes, we need to get you, like, trained in seasons, because all of these certain shows are in pilot for Disney. And, you know, they were, like, basically, you're the perfect Disney kid. And um, at that time, I was just, like, man, that means I have to move out here. My family didn't have the means to do that, but I had a cousin that was living out there. Like, I could – there was a way for me to figure it out if I really wanted to do it, but I knew that, like, deep down I didn't. So my dad was very angry. (laughs) I told him, I was, like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, And it was basically – it it was just, it was like a lot of self-reflection and like a time for me to have to think about what I wanted to do with my life. Like most people have that moment, you know, their senior year in high school, but this was like me going into my freshman year of high school. So four years early, um, I was like, okay, do I want to move out to LA? Do I really want to have my family make this big of sacrifice for something that I'm not sold on? Mm -hmm. And do I not want to have those years of high school memories, even though I didn't have that many friends. I started making a couple, like, I had one friend, and so it was like, you know, I, I might not get to go to homecoming, I might not get to go to prom, I might not get to have those memories with people that people always talk about, like, you know, you look back on your high school days, like, and, you know, it's such a sweet moment in your life, and you'll never get that back, you know, but, like, acting is always gonna be there, so I was like, it's always gonna be there. If I really wanna do it, I can do it after high school, so that's when I decided to, uh, quit acting.
1: (laughs) So how did the people that were prospecting you feel about that? Did they tell you you were making a mistake or did they respond? The agents that would be, um, did they tell you that you were making a mistake or did they say anything? well,
0: Well, so it was actually a, cause I was only there for I think two or three weeks at that time. Um, and they actually told me, you know, because it was a lot and you're young, they're like, you know, you guys think about it, think about it as a family. Um, They were very interested in me, but when I just kind of told them no, I mean, they have, like, 17 other me's, you know, like, I don't, I don't think they were sad because they were never like, you know, you're making a mistake or whatever. They're like, okay, well, you know, we wish you the best, like, that whole spiel, Um, but yeah, no, I mean, they didn't, they didn't, like, give us any, like, oh, like, you know, you're making a mistake or any kind of thing like that. Um, because they have so many other people that they're also looking at, so So, yeah.
2: And so you're kind of going into or just starting high school at this time, what what then happens for you? Did you uh, kind of already make the shift now into music or was there a little bit of a time there? Yeah, so I, um,
0: my dad actually had me get a um, job, I had to get like a work (laughs) permit or whatever because it was kind of like you know I was so used to making my own money and Mm. like also helping my family and like you know helping them out financially and so I had to get a job at a Mexican restaurant well I loved it and I'm thankful for it and if he watches this loved my job (laughs) but I hated it it just because I was like I know that I don't want to do this forever Mm. and I know that like I mean it taught me so much like I still take i daily every time I go to a restaurant I think about when I used to work at one you know um, for years and so I was just kind of normal for a little while but I was still so tuned into music Um, I was so interested in Nashville and at that point like I had never been and I knew that I wanted to go and um, eventually I you know got to make the trip and I just, like I said, like, I kind of just creeped on people, and so, like, while I was, before I even got to Nashville, I knew, like, the hot spots, like, where to go to find good songwriting, songwriters, and, like, listen to good live shows, like, I knew everything, and I had never set foot in, in that town, and, um, I mean, yeah, basically, it was just kind of, like, I had this obsession with music and with songwriting, and I would just reach out to whoever I could that was coming through town, and, um, some of those people were, like, Dustin Lynch, him and his whole crew and family, like, somehow I became friends with his cousins, I have, I was a creep, um, and if they're watching this, love you, like, but, um, I just kind of, I kind of creeped on them, and I was just like, hey, I'm really interested in this country music thing, like, you're doing it, like, teach me, <laughs> like, you know, what is it that you do, what is it that your team does, like, how do you do it, what's the process, and they were so kind, and that was before, you know, Dustin blew up, and, um i basically kind of got to shadow his tour manager and there were so many people like that there were um i'm trying to think um kelsey ballerini before she even got a pub deal you know i knew her and i really got to kind of get to know her and watch her journey like she was in college for a while and i saw her play um the bluebird one time when i was in nashville and again this was before she had a pub deal before anything and um it turned out that one of the guys that was in her round that was a songwriter was um, Forrest Whitehead and he actually is from my hometown. Mm -hmm. Had no idea. (laughs) So it was almost just like God like showing me like, hey, like you, you were meant to be here. You'll have a connection with, you know, someone that's here. They'll talk to you. They'll get to know you, you know, that kind of thing. So I just met like a bunch of bunch of writers and artists and developed relationships with them and um, all throughout high school when they would come through or if I would go there I'd be like hey can I sell merch can I do something for you I'll get you a latte you know like (laughs) I will do anything because I knew I was in high school and nobody could hire me I couldn't just like drop out like (laughs) couldn't do that so so yeah
1: so it sounds like you wanted to be close to the business regardless of what being close Mm -hmm. was at the time
0: Oh yeah, 100 percent, 100 percent.
1: Okay, so what happens next in your story?
0: Yeah, so from high school, um, I'm kind of doing that for like three years, like up until my senior year, Um, and then my senior year, you know, in high school, they're like, hey, you got to start applying for um, college, like got to figure out what you want to do, and like my counselor, she, I don't know if she convinced me or somehow like I convinced myself that I wanted to be a nurse. I have no idea, um, so I was like, okay, I'm just gonna apply to college and be a nurse, and like, I I think I spent like 150, I don't know how many applications I put in, and like you're having to pay $30 every time, and I just applied to like every college, like all the ones in Nashville, all the ones down in the south, everywhere for nursing, and um, halfway through, I think this was like October, maybe? of my senior year, I was like, I don't want to be a nurse, what am I doing, like, I don't even like shots myself, I can't give (laughs) someone a shot, and so, basically, I called up a bunch of my casting director friends, and I was like, guys, like, because I hadn't spoken to them in, like, three, four years, like, they've kept up with me, you know, we're all, they see me on Facebook or whatever, but haven't spoken to them in a very long time, and I was just like, look, I'm gonna be 18 in January, and I'm in my senior year. Do you need someone to come file paperwork? Like I need to find some job because I'm not about to go to college. Like my mom is going to be so mad, but I'm not going. Like I'm not going to waste money and have this financial burden of something that I don't even want to do. You know, I just wanted, I thought it was right. So I just asked them if they had any odd jobs. Like I'll even I was to the point where I was like, I will, I I don't really know how to do makeup, but I'll be a makeup artist on set. Like I'll go get a little license or, you know, whatever. Like I wanted to be part of the set and actually work behind the scenes or do something um, for them, for the casting directors. And they basically called me about a month later in November and they were like, hey, um, actually I have an audition for you. We're going to start filming in December but, you know, we can kind of work out your age and kind of, you know, figure out like, you know, what, like, I don't, for, I forget what it is. It's like little slips and I have to go like legally, like I have to have some kind of parental consent on it, you know, um, as a minor. But um, so yeah, basically, I just go on and work on this film, or it's a television show, and it's called Salem. And it's very it's, it's very interesting, but I don't re- recommend it. If you wanna binge watch it, it's very weird, <laughs> but it's kinda cool if you're into like witches and stuff. But basically I am doing that, you know, my senior year, like I I finished high school and I was like, okay, cool. Like I finished it a little early, um, not fully early, but like enough to where I was like, okay, like I'll I have very minimum work my second semester. Um, and yeah, so I just started filming that and got back into acting for those few seasons. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so as far as that part of the story goes, I was basically, I thought it was only one season and the show did very well. And it got two extra seasons, which basically Mm -hmm. means two more years. Mm -hmm. And, um, so three seasons total. And basically after I graduated or I'll back it up on graduation, I did not even walk at my high school graduation, because I was filming, Um, I was on set, I was working, and I was like, you know what, my diploma is all I need, mail it to me, I'll have it, like, i hopefully, I don't need it, I'll stay in some kind of, you know, creative path to where I don't have to need a high school diploma, Um, but yeah, so then I basically um, worked on that set, and in between, like, when we had off seasons, like, we would work for five to six months at a time, and then, you know, be off, but um, on that set, I actually got to be, you know, an actress in it, and I also got to be um, a PA on set, so I got to kind of, you know, experience both ends of the industry, which was the first time I was able to, you know, actually work on set, and get to do the the behind-the-scenes, like, the true behind-the-scenes stuff, you know, Um, but yeah, so throughout that, I mean, I was traveling to Nashville, and I had a place, and um, I would I would only be there like half half of the time. But I was in Nashville and just kind of like trying to immerse myself as now an adult, and I'm no longer like everyone's little sister or this little kid that's just trying to, you know, sell merch.
1: <laughs> and so, was that a? Did you have to go? Obviously, it resonated with you that there was a transition. Did you notice it at the time that you're not? Uh, basically getting older um and yeah. that you're an adult now uh, yeah what was that like sorting through that in your own mind
0: yeah so it was um it was so it was kind of weird honestly because i was always looked at like being in an industry especially like acting or film like at so young of an age like you don't really realize like when there's a click like especially with people that have known you since then mm. um or they've always known you as like like, literally, my nickname was Baby Des, you know, so it was, like, (laughs) they know me as this little kid, and, um, or I'm speaking in reference to, you know, filming, like, they know me as this little kid, so on, on Salem, when they now realize, like, oh, she's an adult, like, I'm out of high school, and I'm actually working, but they still see me as a kid, it, it, it clicked for me then, where I was, like, oh, like, you know, I'm, I'm now an adult. Like I have to be responsible. I'm not no longer like little baby Des. And so going into Nashville, they, again, they didn't know me since I was that small, but they knew me as, you know, this little girl in high school. And so I became like everyone's sister and moving there and actually trying to get immersed. They're just kind of like, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like I, I had a fake to get in to watch, you know, shows, like, I did not have a sip of alcohol at a bar when I was there, like, truly, but, um, you know, realizing, like, were you just in high school, like, last year, why are you at, why are you here, you know, um, and it was actually, I was at Whiskey Jam, but just because I loved, you know, the whole thing that they have there in Nashville, um, like, the live shows that they had every Monday, and so people were, like, what are you doing, so, yeah, it was definitely, like, a a transition and like a point of where I was like oh, okay like I'm no longer um, you know this little kid like I'm actually I'm trying to be here professionally and then like what I was after was I was after like I wanted to be a publisher like I was so sold like at that point I kind of I moved there for songwriting but I learned within the move like the first month or so I was like I don't want to be a songwriter like I could not do this every single day I'm not this creative Like, I'm more of a, I hear a song, I know who it needs to go to for an artist to, like, cut. So, I was really wanting, my main goal was to become a publisher um, in town. And that's, like, a big thing. Like, you have to know, a lot, like, the right people and a lot of people to, you know, really be a successful um, publisher. Or get get that job, you know, in general. Or go to school for it.
2: (laughs) And this was at the time that you were on set with Salem, right? So you're acting, you're behind the scenes, and you're also trying to now think about how to pursue music and a career in that. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: Salem became more of a financial thing for me. Like it was in, I was in high school, like it paid very well. It, It paid better than my waitressing job and hostess job at a restaurant. And so it was one of those things where I was like, I need to financially get ahead, and it was also, I mean, it it was something that I was so familiar with, and that I knew, like, I knew since I was a kid, so it wasn't really work for me. I was like, I can make money and have fun, and I mean, to me, I was thinking resume at that point. I was like, Mm -hmm. if I can get, you know, something in on the business side of making a movie, like, I can go to Nashville and really bring something to the table, you know. I was like, I know that they film award shows there. I know that they do probably some commercials. Like I looked into it, you know, and I was like, I could either go in and work at a casting office. I could go in and work at an agency. I could go and do like something. So I knew that. And I was just thinking like resume building at that point. So
1: So you're now on ground in Nashville. Is this Mm -hmm. where we are?
0: Yeah. 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 I'm back and forth. Yeah. I'm back and forth.
1: Um, Sorry. So once you've arrived, uh, what happens then?
0: Yeah. Um, so I just get immersed into the community. I mean, I knew that songwriting was something I was so interested in. And honestly, I just really love getting demos, <laughs> which a demo, you know, for those that are listening that don't know, or for you guys don't know, it's basically when a songwriter or artist goes into a write and they, um, they're writing their song and they finish it and then they go in and cut vocals, but it's not like good enough for radio and to produce out, but it's more so like kind of like halfway done to where you get an idea of where the song is going and that way publishers can then send it to say like Jason Aldean or you know Luke Bryan or somebody and that way they're like hey do you like this song and if they're like yeah I can you know hear myself on this and you know then they'll cut it and
2: you know make it full. So you were writing songs and producing those demos? Oh, no, 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 no. I was just interested in them. I wanted, yeah,
0: no, no, (laughs) I I couldn't. Oh gosh, no, I could not. Um, I was basically just, like, friends with a lot of writers, Mm -hmm. and they would send me their music, and I'd be like, oh, hey, like, you should send this to so-and-so. Like, it wasn't even anything on a professional level. It was more of, like, me just trying to get into it, um, but yeah, no, I was sending that over, and, um, just sending them to, like, my friends, like, My friend Dustin, like he was, he had just gotten a deal. He was, you know, touring and like doing his thing. And I would just be like, hey, like, what do you think about this song? (laughs) Like, hey, what about this one? (laughs) Like, you know, just trying to get their feedback. And then, you know, obviously they were all my friends. So it was like positive. It was like, this is a really good song. I'm not going to cut it. Like, I've never gotten a song cut, but at least I know that like it was in that lane or in that direction. And they really liked that artist or songwriter. And they eventually started, got like, work together. So.
1: So yeah and so um, so you've established some connections you're firmly planted in Nashville um, when do you start working as an artist manager?
0: Yeah, so this is where the story gets interesting um, <laughs> so I was back in Nashville and I was there for probably two years working again all kinds of odd jobs um, working as I worked at a tour company like a tour bike company like it's not what you think it's like I don't know if y'all have pedal taverns but they're like these bikes that you pedal on and they have they just basically feed you alcohol and you pedal around the city like like the group
2: ones yeah yeah.
0: yeah, Nashville's pretty hilly and so like I worked (laughs) in the office and did like the scheduling and the booking and the check-in for all of that um I had that job I was working at the mall I was working again at a restaurant, like just trying to be able to stay in Nashville because Mm. it is very expensive. Um, As you, I'm you live in New York, so I'm sure you know. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I'm basically just trying to do that. And then at some point, I was like, again, I'm tired of exactly what I was doing in Louisiana. I'm just paying more in rent, you know. And it's just like, how do you break in professionally, especially when I didn't have college experience? I mean, I had real life experience, but i came to a point where i thought i needed both so i started applying at jobs and i remember i was at um a company which i will not say the name but i was at a company and i made it i, I think i was aud- or auditioning see i'm still in film mode <laughs> but i think i was um applying for a um kind of like almost like a management somewhat job like basically overseeing um, certain like books and like overseeing a team to where they go and like they have to make calls and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was again in the film, I mean, in the music industry, and um, basically I made it so far to where I think it was between me and one other person, and I remember talking to um, the I guess person hiring me. And they basically told me they're like, so, you know, like, um, what is your desired salary? Like we were talking on that kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. And so so yeah, um and when it comes to, you know, what was next, it was basically like I was in that meeting and just like, okay, like salary, like this is how much I need to live here and to live comfortably. And um, I, you know, requested that because I knew what I was bringing to the table. So basically what happened was she told me, she was like, oh, you know, you don't have, you know, the education experience. Like we really like your personality. We really, you know, do like, you know, what you've done and what you've accomplished. And we think you would be great in this um, field, but we can't offer you that much. And so I asked her. I was like, so, like I started asking her questions and I think this is kind of when it, something clicked for me. I was just kind of like, so you're telling me like, you know, if I had a degree then I could I could ask for that much and she was like, "Well, you know, y- yes, basically." Like she I forgot what she exactly said, but she was just like, "Yes." And I said, "Okay, so I have a question. W- if I come to work my first day, if I accept the job, accept, you know, the salary that, you know, you've proposed, and I come to work my first day, what are you going to have me do, and then she answered the question, and then, which was basically, you know, I mean, well, you have to go through this, you know, um, the training process, and blah, 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 and like, someone will kind of show you all of X, Y, and Z, and I was like, okay, cool, if I have a degree, and I go to work on my first day, what are you going to have me do, and she just kind of smirked, and I was like, You're gonna have me do the same thing. You're gonna have me and you're gonna tell me what you want me to do for this job and how to do this job. The degree does not matter. I was like, I have the experience, the life experience, and the common sense to do this job fully to its ability that you need it done right now without a degree. And so, obviously, that conversation, because I was a little, I was a little, you know manager in me that I didn't know was in me came out, (laughs) and so um, she was just kind of like, I see, you know, where you're going, that's a very good point, and she said, I think she, her main headquarter office was in New York, and she said, well, you know what, I really like your spunk, and she was like, if you ever want to come work in New York, I can offer you that salary, I was like, if I ever come and work in New York, I'm gonna need more than that, (laughs) (laughs) and in my head, I was like, You know, it's so crazy how the workforce is set up regardless of what industry you're in, because it's like if you go to college and you get a degree, you have student loans that you have to pay off. Mm -hmm. And then it's like the salary you're making, you barely have enough to pay rent, especially in an entry level job, to pay rent, pay a car note, pay insurance, pay your bills and do everything and pay your student loans. And so it was just to me, I was so frustrated at that point, but I wanted to prove a point so I enrolled into college.
2: (laughs) (laughs) How old were you when this
0: happened? Oh gosh, I think I was like 21. Mm. I was, yeah, I think I was 21. Um, I enrolled into college and I was there, I went to MTSU in um, Murfreesboro and I basically, uh, I think I was there for like three semesters maybe total. Um, I became friends with my professors and A funny story if I may. Um, I was in class and I'm sitting there and this was like my first semester there ever. I was in class I forgot what it was it was like intro to something and basically um, they're like you know on the PowerPoint there's like all these slides this photo comes up and the professor is like talking about this photo and she's like you know can anyone tell me about this photo and it was kind of like a film class it was about I don't remember it was like intro to film and multimedia or something I don't know um but she was talking about the photo and like I didn't want to be that kid but I also I had to be that kid but I like raised my hand and I was like I know I, I know about this photo it was it's set in x y and z times and it turns out it was a photo of Salem the show that I had just finished wow. and <laughs> I was in it <laughs> and like it was like the main, like, Marilyn uh, Manson is in that show, but he was the main subject in the photo, mm-hmm. and then I was, like, off to the side, like, you could clearly see my face, but I was off to the side, and um, I, I told her everything about it, told her the name of the photographer, <laughs> I, like, knew everything about, it, and she was, like, I'm sorry, how did she know the name of the photographer, like, you're re- you're correct, but how did you know, like, all of this stuff, I was, like, I, I don't wanna be that person, I'll tell you after class <laughs> and she like, That's I didn't want to say it. In front of, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't wanna say it in this auditorium of people, but she like eventually she was like, No, 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 like what is it? And I was like, Well, I'm I'm in it and she goes, You're in Salem and she was apparently a fan of the show and then it kind of, you know, went from there and then I talked to her after class and then she actually wanted me to speak at her other classes, and like she learned about what I would have done, and all this kind of stuff, and so it was an awkward moment for me. I was like, okay, like, I'm in college. I didn't really stay or get involved in anything, but I was like, I don't, I don't know if I want to speak to, like, these people that I'm literally in class with, so, so yeah, that kind of happened, <laughs> and I eventually started speaking to, um, you know, my peers, (laughs) and, like, kind of, like, she had me, actually, later on in the semester, she had me kind of, like, talk to them, and they all had to take notes, and that was part of the grade, and so I'm just, like, okay, this is weird, you know, um, but yeah, so that was kind of basically what happened next, um, and then from there, it was really, it was really about me, um, again, just trying to work and make money, and um, I've started working on um, this, like, these award shows that happen, like CMT and, you know, Artists of the Year, that, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, so I got involved with a casting company in in Nashville, and um, basically working with them and kind of telling them, like, hey, like, you know, I, I can do all these things. I can, you know, be a PA, like just extra like gigs to make money. And because now I'm in college and I'm like, oh gosh, how am I going to pay for this? Um, and so I started working, um, audience coordination with a casting company and getting to do that and work with CMT and like meeting some of the executives at CMT and, um, eventually meeting a woman who had me, like she had a talent agency. And this is where, when I said it it gets interesting, she had a talent agency, but she didn't know how to kind of like bring it to the next level, I mean she, she knew how to bring it to the next level, but she didn't have anyone to help her, Mm. you know, and like for me, I basically brought all of the knowledge that I had and like all of the contacts that I had to that agency, and if you hear thunder, I am so sorry, (laughs) Um, but basically I brought everyone that I knew to that agency, and um anyway so what happened was i started working at this talent agency and basically running it with her you know bringing all these new clients bringing all these new um talent and um connections with you know casting directors that i had made since i was little um so you know i brought a lot of value to that company and um i worked that all throughout my college um, if we even want to call it that, because I was mad the whole time, I was like, why do I have to take a math class, I'm not going <laughs> <oriented> into bookkeeping, <laughs> like, you know, I was just, I was so frustrated, and, um, anyway, so then, um, I, i have, had a friend um, named Gavin DeGraw, he's an artist and singer, and, you know, it has a bunch of songs that you've probably heard and don't even know it's him but I had a, him as a friend and almost like a mentor and he just kind of sat me down one day and was just like what are you doing in college and it was I, I will never forget the line he used was Desiree college is referencing what I'm in college for for music business and what I'm actually doing and what I've done my entire life he was he said Desiree college is a um daycare for grown-ups he was like (laughs) you do not need to be in college he was like you need to drop out and you need to you're so ambitious he used some explicitive words he's like you're very ambitious and you just need to drop out and do your own thing you know like you just need to manage do do whatever it is that you want to do you don't need a degree you don't need anybody to tell you that you can do that you know and i was like okay and like we had a very long conversation about that and um, he eventually like convinced me that i was wasting my time and my money and like i knew a lot of the answers in the beginning or like you know in the early stages of the music business and how it runs and it's very similar to the film industry just different terms you know and i knew the film industry like inside and out like i knew everything about it so um so yeah basically what happened was, not long after he had this conversation with me, I actually met Garrett, which is the artist that I manage, um, and it was just almost, like, God opening the doors of, like, okay, here, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna place this person and have them tell you, you know, what to do, and then you're not gonna do it right away, (laughs) but, you know, then I'm like, okay, here's this artist now that you can manage, and so that's kind of how it all happened, if that makes sense.
1: And so have you already started three one eight management at this point?
0: Yeah, no, um, I didn't. (laughs) So (laughs) what happened was um, I met Garrett, I met him through a mutual friend and um, had no intentions of managing him when I met him. My friend just basically called and was like, hey, I, I know this guy, he has like a big following on social media, he's wanting to do the artist thing, you know, but he doesn't know what to do he's never been to nashville and it turns out he's from my hometown as well did not know him prior to meeting him um because he's a little younger than me and so i was like okay like you know what exactly is he wanting to do is he a songwriter kind of talking to him and so he basically puts me in contact with garrett um garrett had never written a song ever um he just had a voice and you know knew that he wanted to be on stage and um do be an artist for the rest of his life and so I was like okay well you know you guys are him and his family were planning a trip to Nashville and I was like well I'll you know I have friends that are writers like that I've made and I was like I'll hook you up on some rights because you definitely need to do that and if you're good at that then you need to move here and you know actually pursue the artist career and I basically kind of helped him um you know set up his first rights and all of that and basically um he, he, it was, it was so funny, it's just so funny how life happens, he um, came to Nashville, he wrote his first single, which is The Healing, um, with the writers that I hooked him up with, and I heard that song, and I was like, you've never written, and he's like, no, and I, you know, texted the other writers, I was like, did he really write this song, or did y'all write this song, like, like, he came in with the idea, like, he, he pulled his weight, they're like, he's definitely new to songwriting, like, he doesn't understand it, like, the process of it, but he's good, and I was like, okay, so then, you know, I got him on, um, Whiskey Jam, which is, you know, a local thing in Nashville, but it's a, becoming a very big thing all over, um, like, everyone usually knows about Nashville, if you Google Nashville, I'm sure Whiskey Jam comes up, so, he was 18, and, um, again, it's a 21 and up bar, but I got him in to play, and he just had X's on his hands, and, Basically what happened was his mom, I I just like became really good friends with his mom and I was showing them around town, like they were here for a week, you know, showing them all these cool places and we had a conversation at some point, like eating lunch or dinner and she was just kind of like you know, you know a lot about what you're talking about of like being an artist and like doing all this stuff. Like, cause I was just educating them. I was like, Hey, you want to make sure you don't do X, Y, and Z. You want to make sure you don't sign this deal or that deal. Like this is ideally what you want in, you know, a publishing situation or a label situation or, you know, all of that. And they had no idea of, you know, what master royalties are or what any kind of royalties are, how you make money. They didn't know that. So I was trying to educate them and, um, she basically told me, she's like, you know what you're talking about, like, why don't you just manage him? and in my head, I was just kind of like, I kind of wanted to do this, and, like, you know, Gavin told me I should,
1: and it was just like <laughs> one of
0: these things that was, again, it was just, like, all, like, I don't want to say given to me, but it was just very clear that this is something that I needed to do, and that I obviously wanted to do, um, And so at that point, I said, okay, well, I'll work with him if he moves to Nashville. But if he doesn't move to Nashville, he's not going to make it, you know. And um, a month later, they moved him to Nashville. He was able, you know, he he decided to not go to college and not do, you know, Mm -hmm. anything else but that. And so um, he was kind of in the situation that I was in and, you know, moved to Nashville, started working really, really hard. And I was still at the agency that I was working for. And, um, I mean, we just kind of like, he just worked for about a year, you know, just really perfected his songwriting craft and perfected everything he was doing. And then at that time, I'm wearing all the hats. So I'm, you know, I'm his accountant, I'm his lawyer, which I don't have a law degree, but I was like finding all these like things on legal zoom and then like rewording them how I wanted them. And, um, I mean, I was literally everything, his booking agent, his song plugger, like all of the things. And um, for about a year, I was working with him. And then I realized, you know what, like, I can't have my attention split. You know, I can't be trying to develop this agency. Like, I've done so much that I could do. And, you know, there just wasn't, I didn't feel that there was anything else that I could give that talent agency, you know, especially with not being like, the co-owner or not being able to have my opinion like solidified in how I wanted the business to go so Mm -hmm. I was like I have to either make a choice of I either need to be all in for managing this artist or I need to keep having all these multiple jobs like I have my entire life so I finally decided like you know I'm gonna open up my management company because I love helping people and I love people you know asking me questions or asking me how do I navigate something and then me helping them figure out a solution so basically I um I just kind of started 318 management um mainly because you know 318 is our area code and that's kind of where everything was pointing to and so much had happened for me um from where I'm from and then with Garrett also being from 318 I was like it's the only thing I could think of, like the, like I couldn't, I would try to sit down and come up with names of management companies of what I wanted, you know, even researching other ones, you know, and like, okay, what, what is a common theme, and like, honestly, I just kind of came up with the fact, there's always like, it's three letters, there's WME, which is a booking agency, there's CAA, it's three letters, there's, there's one here in Nashville called Triple Eight, you know there's one called red or it's red light you know or something like that but i was just like three is apparently the number for management companies so 318 perfect <laughs> so yeah so that's how you know i started managing and how i kind of got into um managing carrot
2: i'm curious yeah. you know given everything you've told us at this point It's interesting because you had the experience of being kind of like the front stage person, right? Like you were the the actress, and you also had a ton of experience being the backstage person, and it sounds like you really gravitated towards that. Why do you think that was?
0: Um, I think it was mainly because, I don't know, I think, you know, that's such a good question. Because I'm sitting here like, that is so true, and I don't know, like, why I gravitated towards it, because I was so front and center, like, I want to, like, I strive so long to have that speaking role, you know, but I think it was more of, like, my brain, (laughs) I don't know (laughs) if that's, like, a normal answer, it was just my brain, because it was, like, how I work and how I function, like, as a kid, looking, like, reflecting back, I was in control of my career the whole time, like, I actually had to sit down talks with my dad, and my dad's a lot older than most people's dads, but had to sit down talk with him of, like, hey, this is my thing, like, if they're gonna ask a question about can I be somewhere, I'm gonna answer, like, like, I was very (laughs) bossy, like, very, like, my parents will tell you I was very, very bossy, and so I think that was, like, looking back, it was just always, like, even though I was like front and center in a lot of things, I was still behind the scenes at the same time because I was the one like, I wanted to pick how wide the trim was on my headshot, like very nitpicky about certain things, very, very like, if it's not my way, I'm gonna be mad about it. And and not in like a a spoiled brat kind of way, it was more of like, I wanna be in control of my career because in my mind I can strategize how I want this to go kind of thing, so it was really just my brain, like, kind of telling me, like, you know, hey, you've been doing this your whole life, you know, you've always been very particular about how things happen, or how an audition goes, or what is said to a casting director, because you know exactly how to, you know, win the audition, if that makes sense, so that's kind of, that would be my answer, (laughs) like, it was just very weird, like, how my brain worked, and how, I realize, like, oh, I've been doing this for so long, like, this is exactly what I want to do, and, like, when it comes to behind the scenes, like, I can't sing, I'm tone deaf, so <laughs> I'm not gonna get up on that stage, you know, <laughs> like, but I could definitely tell someone else when it doesn't sound right to me, you know, like, when I'm, like, I don't like that, and if I don't like that, as a, a lover of music, I know other lovers of music will not love that, mm.
1: so. And I'm curious, at that time in your life, did you realize that you were that much more driven and or analytical than other kids your age? Because you seemed very driven um, from a young age and analytical as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't think I ever realized it. I mean, I knew that I was weird. I, I always just thought <laughs> I was weird. <laughs> like, because my family, like, they, they didn't really, there was no, like, I honestly should have been in therapy as a kid like if I were if I looking back if I were my parents and they saw how like I hated cartoons I hated Disney actually like I still I, this day I have never watched a Disney movie like I've never seen Lion King I've never seen Cinderella I don't like musicals funny funny enough like you would think someone that loves film and loves music would love musicals <laughs> so it was like as a kid like when a kid tells you I don't like this show on Disney that you're putting on, and they would rather watch, like, Three's Company, or, like, you know, Gilligan's Island, or something, or Kindred Spirits, I was the same weird kid, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I was just kind of, like, like, I would rather do that, and then I really loved reading at a very young age, like, I loved vegetables, like, as a kid, like, being a parent, if I were to go back and parent myself, I would have been, like, I need to take this kid to therapy, like (laughs) something, and so for me, it never dawned on me that I was analytical until literally, like, I was living in Nashville, and I was probably 20 years old, like, it was not until after looking back, I think I had, like, a moment of reflection at some point of where, you know, when I decided to go to college, and when I decided to do all that, that's kind of when I realized, like, I've been doing this my whole life, you know, like, I've technically, like, what I'm wanting to do, I've always done, and it just didn't dawn on me at that young age that I was doing that,
2: you know? So, so yeah. It sounds too like you, in part, you know, kind of capitalized on opportunities, even right from the start, right? Like, like you said, Mm -hmm. who meets Sandra Bullock in their store in their town, right? Like, um, but so it almost sounds, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it sounds like you capitalized on opportunities. You knew at least you wanted to be involved and kind of go after something for love. So that, and so you just like followed a course, saw what happened, made and got to like a decision point and then made a decision and that took you that way. And then, like, the, yeah. that took you that way. And it was all of these, you know, not winding paths that you followed along um, to get to where you are versus, you know, someone that's kind of says, like, I want to achieve this goal and go after it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's very much like that. Like, it's like, okay, this, this opened up for me. And then from there, make the goals, you know, it's like, okay, this opened up for me. This is obviously a sign. Like, I don't care, you know, if you don't believe in God or anything like if whatever it is, it's like, I mean, again, Sandra Bullock shows up and you meet her, you know, who she is, you're familiar with who she is. And she tells you to get into acting what are you gonna do, you're gonna be like, no, (laughs) it's like, yeah, tell me more, you know, like, as a kid, like, it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, that is obviously a sign, and like I said, like, again, and again, and again, it was always just like, it was never easy, like, you know, I tell some people this story, or parts of my story, and they're like, oh, this was all handed to you, you know, and I'm like, it was never easy, like, I did not have my own vehicle to get to these, like, my family didn't even have a car, until you know high school like, or not even high school uh, i think i was yeah no i was after salem i got my first vehicle like most people get their first car when they're 16. Mm-hmm. i didn't even i was working like you know at a mexican restaurant and having all these crazy jobs and like i didn't even have car to get to them i was just like okay maybe i'll meet someone and i can pay them gas money or you know i'll find a friend and like pay them gas money to take me to work and pick me up and you know that kind of thing so it was never like given to me and it was it wasn't easy but it was very obvious when opportunity presented itself. And I was just in tune to recognize that and go along with it, you know? So, yeah.
1: And so did the modeling come before or after yeah. the management?
0: So, so yeah, cause see, there's so many moving parts of the story I always forget. Um, so I was actually, when I was in college, um, it was, I was working at the agency. And um, I mean, before I had, taking the job at the agency, like right before, I met a friend of mine, I think, because I work at a coffee shop, you know, I don't have an office, so I just work at a coffee shop, and um, I met this guy who um, actually got me on to this, um, it was like a, I think we were modeling like clothes or something, I forgot, it was like for a local boutique, it was nothing, nothing crazy, but I took those photos, and then it actually caught the eye of a friend of mine, which the photo of me in the red dress, that was the first um, photo that she had taken of me, like perfect, like that was the true professional photo that I have ever had of me other than my headshots, and she just wanted, she was like this up-and-coming photographer, her name's Angelia, or oh my gosh, Angela, uh, or I think it's Angela or Angelia, I don't remember, <laughs> she's gonna hate me, um, but basically she took that photo of me, and she just wanted to build her portfolio book, you know, it was just like, hey, I want to do this, and so she took that photo, and when she did, um, I, to me, I was just like, "Oh, like maybe I should do like something like along the lines of modeling." Like I've never thought of that. Like I'm five one, maybe. Like I'm really short. And never thought of modeling. And so um, basically, after she took that photo. I posted it on my socials or whatever, and um, I had, like, you know, I have all these casting director friends, and they basically, um, kind one of my other photographer friends contacted me and had me model for um, Creative Recreation, which is a shoe company, Um, it's a really big shoe company, I mean, they're, they have, you know, brands everywhere, but they partnered with Nate Jonas at that time, and I was just like, oh, I know who that is, like, he's a really great artist, and, basically, I was modeling some shoes, like, I don't know if they were part of his collection and partnership with them, but either way, like, when my photos came out with Creative Recreation, it was around the same time that his thing launched, so I was like, I'm cool, you know, Um, but basically, um, shortly after that, you know, I was working with the agency, and then um, Mercedes-Benz was actually calling our agency of, like, hey, we need a model for this, and at that time, like, we had models, like actual models, but they saw my photo. I don't know how, I don't know if it was on the website or what, they saw my photo, and they were like, we want, we want her, and it was that, it was that, you know, photo that she took, and so they, um, they had me model, and I was just like, I'm about to model for Mercedes-Benz, like, what, and this, again, this was in, while I was in college, and so I got to model for them, and that was, like, kind of, like, a, another turning point for me of, like, oh, like, maybe I could do this, too, like, not that I'm super interested in it, but it was definitely something that, like, and, I mean, it paid well, so it was, just, again, it was a monetary thing, it was just, like, oh, this, this could help me, like, start my management company, or this could help me start, like, something else that I want to do, you know, some other kind of venture. So for me, that's kind of like how it happened and how I saw it. It was just, it was fun, it was different, like I, I modeled a little bit as a kid, but not enough to say it was professionally, you know, um, but yeah, so.
2: It sounds like, you know, you viewed all of this as, um, you know, helpful to you in some way, like you said, whether it was financially mm-hmm. or it was going to teach you something about the business or something like that, yeah, and it also sounds like you've always for lack of a better way of saying it, believed in yourself and the fact that yeah. you can do it and figure it out and go from there, yeah, yeah, one
0: hundred percent I mean that's pretty much how how I've probably lived my whole life, and I know like that's kind of hard to grasp for some people, but for me, it was really like. I mean, if I'm not gonna do it, no one's gonna do it for me, kind of thing, you know, like, if I'm not gonna go ahead and make that phone call, or if I'm not gonna go ahead and get through this audition, even though I hate, I hate the role, or I hate, you know, things about it, or whatever, I was like, if I don't do this, then I can't go to the next thing, so like I said, with, you know, with goals, it's always, like, an opportunity presents itself, and then I make goals from
2: there, you know, um, so yeah. <laughs> So now you're a, a, a business owner and an artist manager. What are you finding easy and challenging?
0: Oh, oh man. Um, so easy would probably just be my whole job in general. Like I've had people ask me before, you know, what's the hard, like what's the ins and outs of the industry? Like, you know, what what is this? And I always say that, you know, for me, it's it's never hard. Like, and I don't mean that in a like discouraging way of like oh if you're having a hard time this isn't what you're supposed to do but i just always find the joy and the excitement in it you know like i mean i've had we were just on the like before you know the virus took over mm-hmm. everyone's lives um we were finishing a show in um, monroe louisiana with my artist and their sound like he was the opener the sound guys they were great they did their job as best as they could but when he stepped up on stage, his mic was not turned on. And that is their job. That is not my job. And so <laughs> I, again, I went little manager mode and I was, <laughs> I was frustrating, you know, so stuff like that. Yes, it gets hard, but you know, that lasted for maybe 15 minutes, you know, so overall it was never hard. It's never, it hasn't been hard, but I will say something that's challenging is constantly having to re-strategize, you know, um, which I love, like, I feed off of, but at the same time, it is difficult, and it is hard or challenging or whatever word you want to use, just because, you know, you come up with a marketing plan, and you can't copyright marketing, you know, so if you have, like, a marketing plan, and you come up with it, and no one else has done it ever before, and you come up with it, and you execute it, and you execute it well, other people are going to do it, even though you're planning to do it again, you know, and then it's like, oh man, like you see it online, and like, I mean, currently, you know, we have a marketing strategy that, you know, we, that I do with Garrett, and I'm noticing, like, it's, do it does very well, and other people are noticing it does very well, mm-hmm. so they're starting to do it, and I'm like, give me a job, if you're gonna take my marketing like <laughs> give me the job, <laughs> like, you know, so that is something that's challenging, um, so far, and, um,
1: What have you learned about yourself throughout your journey?
0: Oh man. Um I have learned that I really have a problem with work. <laughs> and I mean that <laughs> in a good and a bad way. Like I have no almost almost no. I've been working on it. So I'm going to give myself grace. I have almost no work life balance and I've learned that that is not healthy. You know, even if you love your job like I do. Like I love it to death, but um, you know, when I started, you know, my management company and I, I left the agency, um, which was only last October, um, officially, I've had 318 management for over a year, but it has never been like official, like I'm actually doing this thing mm-hmm. until last October. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, when you're at a job that you don't really like that much, or, you know, you bat, you struggle with like, okay, I love it some days and I hate it other days. You, you always look forward to the weekend, you know, you always like, okay, like, weekend's done, like, I'm, I'm done with work, for me, that's how my life has been, like, you know, when I was working with the agency, I always looked forward to the weekend, because my boss knew that I wasn't working on the weekend, you know, I was, usually unless we had to do something, but, you know, it was scheduled or planned, but for me, like, my job, first of all, is 24-7, essentially, you know, like, Garrett, when he's touring, we're touring on the weekend, and I'm Mm. working on the business side during the week, you know, I'm currently his tour manager, so for me, it's, like, I'm still working, but when we're not touring, I don't know how to not work on the weekend, so I've had to implement this thing within myself of, like, I have to still look forward to Friday, like, I have to find a way to look forward to Friday, and what I've started doing is, like, every Friday at 318, because, you know, 318, (laughs) at 318, I stop working every Friday, so that's kind of, like, something I've learned about myself, is that, you know, I will still work so much, like, I will work all day, like, literally, I, we have, we, and Garrett is, like, my brother, like, he is, like, my little brother, like, I'm so close with his family, like, they're, like, my own, and so it's, like, I will be on the phone with him, or his mom, or we're even on a three-way FaceTime or something, and I'll start talking about work and it's like seven o'clock and then I'm like, Oh, I can't do that. I can't do that that to him. You know, I can't do that to myself. So I (laughs) got to not.
1: Good strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What advice would you give an up and coming performer or entrepreneur?
0: Okay. Yeah. So there's two different things. Upcoming performer. I would say, I would, I would say really like if you are just performing, try to get into songwriting because the main thing is like as an artist if you cannot feel what you're singing like truly and be authentic to that it's good people are gonna know they're gonna see right through it they're gonna be like this guy like you hear it all the time like you know some artists um I can't think of anyone like I'm not referencing anyone in particular but some artists could get up on stage and you hear them sing about weed whiskey and willy and you're like that doesn't fit you, bro. You know, like no, like you can't. You know, so it's the same thing. It's like you know, as an artist, if you are gonna perform one perform songs that are true to you, true to your brand, if you even have that established yet, and if you don't, that's your first go to. Um, but as far as entrepreneurs, um, it's oh man, I this is a whole nother podcast in itself. <laughs> but I would, I would probably just say that, you know, if you feel like you should quit your current job and do whatever it is that you're really wanting to do, do it. Like, it took me, I, I was in my agency situation for longer than I should have been, you know, and it was all because of the fear of fun. I don't know, it was like financially, and it was also like, almost like an attachment, like I've, work so hard with this company. I've done so much. I've like brought so much to the table. How could I leave them high and dry if I leave, you know? But then it's kind of like but then you're doing yourself a disservice and you're doing them a disservice for staying, you know? So I would say if you're a true entrepreneur and you've had an idea or a concept or something and it's been on your mind for a while and it hasn't left, go ahead, quit your job and just do it. Like you have to put yourself in the situation to make yourself do it. Otherwise, like you're never going to get it done. And you're going to look back one day and wish that you'd done it. Yeah.
1: Have you ever felt as if you were faking it in anything that you've done?
0: No. I mean, you know, I would say maybe like when I was working on Salem, just because I knew that I didn't want to act at that point, but I got the part. So it was like, oh, I can do it. Like faking it is like, Acting in general, like in acting, you were always faking it, (laughs) but I truly did, I truly did love it as a kid. You know, like I truly did enjoy going on set and having those different roles and like figuring out characters and mannerisms and learning, like, okay, when I move my face a certain way, this is other people perceive this as me being mad. You know, I love the theory of that, and um, I truly did enjoy it, but growing up, you know, I mean when you don't wanna do it for a career and you feel bad, like I did feel bad about taking it from someone else. I was like, someone else could have this role that really wants to do this, but at the same time, I was like, meh, I need it. (laughs) You know, so I never, I've never felt like I was making it. It was more of, other than that, maybe that one time of, you know, okay, I just need to get through this so I can financially, you know, be able to move to Nashville and live comfortably for a while, but aside from that
1: now. Um, it makes me wonder. There's, I myself, I'm guilty of setting goals, and then once I reach the goal, the luster—not always, but sometimes—the luster of that goal wears off. Do you think that was part of what happened with acting or anything else that you were kind of like, ah, take it or leave it? Um, yeah,
0: I mean, oh, that's a good question. I would say yes and no. Only, only no because acting was truly never like my calling to do, you know, it was never, like, I was not placed on this earth to be be an actress, Mm. you know, Um, and who knows, like, I mean, I might go in and, like, do another part here and there just for the reminiscence of it, of doing it, but it was never, like, I was never meant to be a Sandra Bullock, you know, and so for me, like, achieving the goals, I would say, like, I needed to achieve those goals at the time, like, it's all a story that unfolds in some form whether we recognize it in that time or 5 years from now you know but i feel that the goals themselves were necessary you know and like for you i'm sure they were necessary and sure they kind of wear off and the excitement of achieving them wears off but then you have other goals so you know for me i'm just like okay like keep moving on like i have a i have a goal planner actually like i can recommend it to you if you want me to but I have a goal planner that really helps me like stay on top of things and looking back they're necessary they're all necessary if there was if there is a goal that you're going after it's necessary at some point especially once you achieve it
1: and when you set those goals or you using your goal planner, do you set those daily or are they longer term goals or goals? Um,
0: So they're both. (laughs) So I have a, um, it's a, it's called a full focus planner um, by Michael Hyatt. And um, it's, it's so helpful. Like I actually started this planner last year and it's a quarterly planner. So I I have one for each quarter. So when you use it, you open it in the front and it has um, like your yearly goals, like your annual goals or basically for each quarter. And they tell you there's like only 10, you can only make 10 goals per year because it's proven that if you make more than 10 a year, you'll never accomplish half of them and you'll get overwhelmed. It's like scientific fact. So I make 10 goals and then from there, there are um, on the daily pages, you have your daily goals, but every day you reflect on your annual goals. So basically it's kind of like training yourself to break down those big goals. So that way you're accomplishing them every single day or you're accomplishing something that moves you towards that
1: goal. Um, And so Lauren and I, we have a background in studying expertise. Um, Mm -hmm. And one of the big questions, it's not just us, it's uh, since humans have been around, it's the question of nature versus nurture. Um, Mm -hmm. And so an extreme view of nature would be that we're born with something. um, There's nothing that we have to do. The extreme view of nurture would be we're born with basically nothing and everything that happens to us determines our outcome. And then of course there's did everything in between. Um, if you were to attribute your success or even others, if you don't want to be personal about it, um, what is your view on that breakdown percentage wise? Do you think that it's more one than the other? Um, what numbers would you give that?
0: Oh man, that is such a complex question. Like, honestly, I think that's above, <laughs> like above me. Um, wow, I love that you guys do that though. That's so interesting. I definitely have to read in on that. Um, I would say, I mean, for me and as far as like how I live my life and what I believe, I definitely believe that everything does happen for a reason. And, you know, like I said, whether, you know, some people want to see that as, you know, God or, you know, whatever it may be. But for me, that, that, that is what it is, is like, I know that, you know, everything that's happened to me has been a blessing or a lesson in some form of like, whether I'm, you know, not being obedient to him or myself or you know it's all kind of like interconnected if that makes sense so that's kind of how i how i view it i i couldn't i couldn't say like one or the other because that is very like when you think about it like that's such a like i need to think on this like i need to drink my coffee on the patio (laughs) and just like think about my life right now
1: let me uh let me reframe it a little bit if you yeah uh, so let's say that you are given these gifts Uh, using that approach um, what would happen had you not taken had you not worked um, do you think that you would have do you think that the work was necessary I guess uh, in order to achieve them Okay.
0: Um, yes 100% I feel like had I not taken those opportunities that were presented to me it would have taken me longer to get where I was supposed to go or I would just never I would never get there. You know, I would have never gotten to where I am currently today and it would just be a disservice to what I was supposed to do because, you know, thinking about it, like had I not taken all of those steps and I'd never, you know, went out and been like, Oh, I got this phone call from a friend who has a friend that needs help in the industry. And I wouldn't have answered that. And I wouldn't, I was just like, I don't have time for that today or I don't, I don't want to do it. I don't feel like I can tell them about the industry. Garrett would not have a manager, Garrett would not have his music out in the world, and, you know, since then, like, his music has touched people in different ways, and he gets, you know, he calls and tells me about stuff all the time, of what people have said to him, you know, so that wouldn't have happened, so it's almost like a ripple effect, you know, because who knows, like, one of his songs could inspire some five, six-year-old today who was like, I want to be him when I grow up, and I want to be an artist, and who knows, that person's going to be the next Taylor Swift, we have no idea you know, and I contributed to that whether I knew it or not, you know. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that had I not taken those opportunities and trusted my instincts and um, did that, like, I I just wouldn't be here, you know, I, you, no one would. Like, if you, you know, there's every, every choice in everyone's life leads to something, you know, and if you don't take them, they're gonna lead different ways. Like that's, I mean, that is what I, what I truly believe, you know, and whether that is, you know, your calling or not, so.
2: At this point in your career and now having your own management company, where mm-hmm. do you think life is gonna take you or where are you wanting it to take you?
0: Yeah, um, oh man. <laughs> so again, I'm gonna reflect back on my goals um I have a lot I have a lot of things that I am want to do you know within management um you know as of right now I'm not looking to manage another artist like I really want to have all my attention and focus in on one um but you know eventually I do want to kind of like possibly venture off you know and have you know build Garrett's career up so much to where you know he has me as a manager and I'm always going to be his manager in day-to-day but I can kind of like dabble into other people and music and um, kind of see, you know, what I want to do. But I also really want to get into um, philanthropy and giving back just because I love, I love that aspect. And right now, like my company is very small, financially cannot contribute hardly anything to anyone to help. But, you know, when it comes to like coaching other people that are interested in management or, you know giving pointers or something and like giving back to the community in some way i definitely want to get into that um and i eventually want to get into the tech world of the tech side of things because our generation and that's just where we're all going you know like like data is the biggest currency right now whether people realize it or not you know and like it's scary but at the same time that's something i want to kind of get into and like learn more about so
1: and actually it's more lucrative than oil so
0: yeah (laughs) especially
1: now but even before seriously
0: especially right now
1: for sure for sure uh anything that we haven't asked you that you feel is important for the listeners to know
0: no you guys have been great y'all are like (laughs) i'm like sitting here like okay am i talking too much like no this is this is good okay but everybody says
2: that to us it's okay it's by design (laughs) i'm just
0: because I'm not, I'm not that good at like talking about myself. Because I'm like trying to remember memories and like things that have happened. And I'm like, oh, like it's happened so many times during this conversation. Where I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. I also did this, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, you guys, y'all, we covered it all. I think.
1: And what would you say is the biggest takeaway from your story?
0: Oh my gosh, about myself? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, the biggest takeaway. I would say it's just trusting my gut instincts, you know, I think that would be it, like, it's, it's been a common theme throughout my life of, like, not, and that's not to say that I've always been right, you know, but just really going with my gut and with being able to realize that, you know, it's, like, if something is bothering me and I can't sleep at night, it's probably because it's true, like, if I'm thinking, like, weighing on a certain decision, like, if it's, you know, I mean, even to the point of, like, does my boyfriend really love me? And if I keep at night, if I'm like, nope, he doesn't, he doesn't, it usually is true. (laughs) You know? Um, but even professionally, yeah, it's, it's the same way. I feel like if I'm like, should I call that person? Should I call them and ask them, you know, to talk about Garrett, Garrett or his music or something, should I do it? And usually if I don't do it and it continues to bother me, I'm like, I should do it. So
1: that's very sage advice. Um, And Desiree, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, your story is fascinating. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank
0: you for everything. So
1: out. The Path Distilled is hosted by Kevin Harris and Lauren Tashman. Created and produced by Kevin Harris. The content is copyrighted by The Path Distilled. All rights reserved.